Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, MB? Good morning, my friend. Um, off to a little rough start this morning. I thought they took the mountain bike away from you. Um, you know, they did. Uh, and, and I was ag- in agreement with that. This is, this is a little bit uh, out of the wheelhouse, but... Um, just before I get started, one of our listeners, a very, uh, a very good man, a uh, very wealthy man, but in, deep down inside, a very good man. He had suggested early on <clears throat> that you and I uh, attempt to monetize this podcast. And uh, I said that, that decidedly no, that, that you and I both felt to maintain uh, our artistic integrity, uh, that we, we shouldn't take any money. And he said, well, you know, you could probably get a lot of money for charity. And I said, you know, that, that may well be, but Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think I spoke for you. I said, as artists, we like to, uh, like to speak freely. And, um, so with that in mind, uh, we had dinner at, at a, uh, steakhouse in scottsdale last night that's part of a chain it's called mastro's okay and uh we all got sick um uh, uncle mark's sick i'm sick i haven't checked with the others but uh and um you know uh i i just want to delve a little bit deeply into this uh because it was such a horrible experience <sighs> that i and and as you know, uh, both uh, you and I, uh, our good friend Leslie Harris, yep. we consider ourselves, and I think the word is pronounced denizens of the restaurant industry. It's fair. Uh, I, know, I, I know that I've been criticized of mispronouncing words in the past, so if I fuck that one up, I apologize. But um, just to to talk about me for a minute. Um, so uh, through high school, I had a job in a restaurant, which is pretty, pretty typical, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, I started as a busboy, but one of the fun parts of the job uh, or in, in the restaurant was being the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. And especially on Saturday night, right? It's busy, mm-hmm. you're jamming, the plates are coming in with shit on it. Back, mm-hmm. back then, you used to take the butter 
that the, they didn't use and you'd keep it and stop. Yeah. You know, stuff like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm sure none of that happens anymore. Right, right. Um, but in any event, uh, you know, I, I got trained in how a restaurant operation is supposed to work. Then on top of that, um, my parents who, uh, lived well beyond their means, uh, used to go to the finest restaurants in Chicago. And as I was a, little boy, I got dragged along with my gray pants and blue mm-hmm. blazer and, mm-hmm. and, and a blue and uh, yeah. burgundy striped Brooks, Brooks brother tie and penny loafers. Right. And mm-hmm. so I, I got accustomed to these things and maybe a snob. I, I don't know, but you know, over the years, right. So yep. then, um, then moved to New York and uh, arguably the, some of the greatest food and, in the world, right? Okay. So, as I told you, being a, a young trader, I've got the wine and dined in all these great places. And you were there for like you've been to all the greats. The, the, I mean, you 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 operated in the last forty years, starting you know, let's call it nineteen. Started in nineteen ninety when you really experienced fine dining. I mean, from ninety to twenty ten, you. I mean, you checked every single thing. box. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was there like within two weeks of opening of Gotham Bar and Grill, okay, which yeah. I believe some historians may argue was the the trend change in New York dining. You, okay. you can confirm this with, mm-hmm. with Amy, if you mm-hmm. would. Okay. Uh, following that was the uh, beginning of the Danny Meyer mm-hmm. empire, you know, Union Square Cafe, Gramercy Tavern. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, very fortunate. Uh, and you know, it's like anything else. You, you, you do something a number of times and you kind of figure out what's good and what's bad. So you lined me up anyway. on so many great dates. I used Thank to, you, you. you and I have gone back for years doing restaurants and never has yeah. MB like steered me wrong. Okay. Yeah. And he, well, he always you. prefaces it with, if you're not happy with it, I'll send me the bill and I'll pay for it. Okay. So yeah. when the Just recommendation, the kind of com- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, go on, go on. So um, anyway, uh, I, I owe a lot to uh, our good friend Leslie because he is uh, very focused on the fine dining. And uh, fish fan, snowboard bud, uh, same thing. So um, we're pretty dialed in to this thing. And um, why I think this might be a little bit more interesting than just the general slam job is, so uh, you read recently a piece about uh, Greenwich Capital and how it started. And, I did. And, and that was, I think, one or two chapters out of a book written by one of my former partners, Ben Carpenter, called The Bigs. And it, it, it's a book that's written for college kids to try and go out and get that big first job. Okay. But ben, ben talks about a lot of stuff in there that's sort of life lessons. And, but what I really liked about the part of the book you sent me was it showed what a benevolent place Greenwich Capital was. It's amazing. Day. Yeah, I yeah. had no idea. Uh, it was it was ridiculous. So like on Halloween, all the kids would come in in their costumes, and there'd be like a parade. Yeah. The um, the uh, family summer party was stuff of legend. Yeah. <laughs> One yeah. year they one year they did this thing. I am a little embarrassed to tell you about it, but they call this is this is on 
the lives of my children. This uh, is yeah, a true yeah. story. They had this thing called the money booth. Okay, I, I remember you've told this story. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so there'd be a little game, and the game you'd be like, <laughs> if you got, it would determine whether you got like thirty seconds in the money booth, sixty seconds in the money booth, or a minute and a half in the money booth, and. The money booth was like a phone booth. Yeah, yeah. Filled with thousands of dollars. Okay, yeah. And there would be a fan. And you would go in the booth and you'd have to stand there. And then they'd hit the fan. And so these bills are swirling around. Of course, yeah, yeah. Right? And if you got 30 seconds, 60 seconds, okay. And you. You got to keep what you could grab. <laughs> and there were ones and fives and tens and twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the best part, this just tells you what kind of firm this is. So it's supposed to be for the kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the traders, and I won't mention which one because everyone will know who I'm talking about. But this guy, he's a smart guy. Um, uh he kind of figures out how this thing works. So he, he gets the minute and a half and he goes in there and it's like, okay, one, two, three, go. And he pulls his shirt out. Brilliant. Brilliant. Parachute. And all, and all of these bills are getting sucked up into the. Yeah. Filled his, his, yeah, yeah, filled his shirt in 10 seconds. <laughs> Not so nary a dollar went past yeah, him. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable! I think he took so many. There was a debit balance. <laughs> there, that's fair. I, I don't see. The, I have no qualms with that. I have no qualms the, whatsoever. The other cute story. Uh, this is going to make me sound like a little bit of a dick, but um, over the years, we had our seats moved around the trading floors. The trading floor grew as regulation changed, and so at this point. Uh, we're sitting facing Steamboat Road, okay, where Monero's used to have a parking lot, which is now million-dollar condos, right? Yep. And one day, out of the blue, I see a fucking Brinks truck roll up. And it, this is before you had the barriers, like the mm -hmm, terrorist. Mm -hmm. yep, yep, and yep. So this thing drives right up on the the... I don't know what you call that, but the yeah, the entrance porch. foyer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, There's yeah, a yeah. word for it. I can't think of it. And a couple of Brinks guys get out and they're carrying a couple of fucking bags. And I'm mm -hmm. looking at this thing and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. And uh, a couple hours later, uh, there's an email to the firm and it says, because the firm's had a, such a good first half of the year, we're giving every employee $1,500 in cash, and we're going to pay the tax on it. So you can take that money, and you can do whatever you want with it. Wow. So, so here's the shitty part. I'm talking to one of my partners, and I'm like, God, this is great. He goes, yeah, you know who's paying for it? And I'm like, no, who? He's like, the partners. So now I get out my calculator, and the fucking thing cost me 20 grand. Mm -hmm. 
not so much fun anymore? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, yeah, it's, I'm not, I only mention it in a humorous yeah. way yeah, because, yeah, you know, it was the salad days, right? Yeah, and, yeah. But it was a benevolent place. Okay. So the name the name of the book is what? It's it's the Bigs. It's called the I think Bigs. It's called the Bigs by Ben yeah. Carpenter. Okay, yeah. Um, so I, the Bigs by Ben Carpenter. But yeah, if you just go, you Google it, or I don't even know how I came across. Maybe I'm will post it. it. I think you can get it for free. Yeah, or something okay. like that. Okay, um, yeah, maybe. So anyway, winding my story into what a benevolent place this is. So we've created this little area of prop trading. Okay. It's me, a uh, couple other guys. I, I don't want to mention their mm-hmm. name because I don't know whether they want to know. Then okay. directly to my left is Fish Fan. Then directly to my right is Robbie Wall, who's now given us permission. Mm-hmm. Off to, you know, sort of like the four o'clock position is Leslie. Behind me are a couple of trading clerks. And it's a very collegial atmosphere right yeah and so this is the late 90s and there's a period of time there's a 10-year period of time where i didn't drink and um it was because you know i suffered from migraine headaches and they kind of went through this thing about you know alcohol blah 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 and and to be honest over 10 years maybe i had five drinks but i mean it was it was kind of legit right Mm mm-hmm but, you know, you got a bunch of guys and only a couple of gals. And it's a, it's a freaking locker room environment, right? The, the talk is fast mm-hmm. and it's loose. Mm-hmm. And we always had a movie running in the background. Because if the guys had nothing to do, I didn't want them fucking around in the market. Like yeah. throwing money away. Like yeah, specking yeah. back. Okay. So wow. we'd have the same movies. A Few Good Men, Euro Trip. I, you know, just yeah, yeah, fun yeah. movies. Like yeah. if you wanted to catch three minutes of it, okay. But another thing that was going on was these guys started trading wine, yeah. and now this is a period of time I, I didn't drink, and certainly before I drank, I had no idea about good wine or bad wine. Mm-hmm. Right, just not, mm-hmm. just not mm-hmm. my thing. But I'm sitting in a room, and as I mentioned to you. I had this gift of hearing multiple conversations. And and so these guys traded a lot of wine. I, I don't want to put a number on it because I, I would be guessing. But, but you said. It was, it was a big number. <laughs> yeah, you and, said like something about like the biggest. Yeah, oh, it was crazy. Like you crazy. had like, yeah, something big. <laughs> it, 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 it certainly exceeded any local wine store. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, just can't, yeah. I can't, you know, I mean, it I was in the, it had to be in the millions. Right. So um, anyway, I keep hearing the same names over and over again. And one thing caught my ear was this situation that was right in my kill zone because it, it was an arbitrage. So there's a Burgundy winery named Romani Conti, okay? And if you like Burgundy, it's the quill, right? And there's such demand for it, it's, it's hard to get cases of mm-hmm. the different ones they make. And so, of course, the best of what they make, they only make a tiny n- number. And as you go down the quality, 
the number gets bigger, mm-hmm. but there's still never enough to go around, right? So they got the idea, Romani Conti, that the best way to do this was to sell these things through what was called an assortment. And so you would buy a Romani Conti assortment, and mm-hmm. it would come in what in the trade we would call the OWC, original wood case. Mm-hmm. And then they would put like a tin band around it that if you knew it was broke, someone had busted in. Okay. So within the case, and I'm going to try and do this from memory. Okay. You got like one bottle of uh, Romani Conti. Mm-hmm. You got a couple of bottles of Grand Chazot. You got three bottles of Chazot. You got some Romani Saint Vivant. You got some Richebourg, and then the big, the second big boy was called Latash. Okay, I think I hit them all. If I didn't, apologies. So there would be twelve bottles in a case, right? And at that time, I'm just going to make up numbers, but a case would go for like three grand. Okay, mm-hmm. but the one bottle of Romani Conti would go for like 2200 bucks. Mm-hmm. So you would get the balance of this thing for like $800. Mm-hmm. And so you had a profit of a couple of grand, right? Okay. So one day I'm just kind of sitting around and I'm just jotting notes and I'm realizing what the fuck is going on here. So we have one younger guy who is spending a good portion of his day working on this stuff. I mean, he did his regular work, okay, legit, but he liked it and he did it. So I just said to him, can you get me some of this? He says, well, it's tough. I said, okay. He says, how much do you want? I'm like, well, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Something like, can you get me 10 cases? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, I got like three cases. And um, I do the stupid thing, which is I immediately sell out the bottle of Romani Conti. Right. But I get the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, long story short, I now become a self-appointed onophile. And um, I know nothing about these wines, but I decided to go to some wine tastings and this and that. And, you know, after a while, this is hysterical, right? Because you know me. Like, (laughs) I'm a Shake Shack guy. (laughs) This guy. So Uh. so, anyway, I kind of worked at it a little bit and I started to notice the differences in the wine. Okay. But it was never really my thing. It, it, to me, it was marginally different than baseball cards. So the next, next thing, you know, I got 1500 bottles of wine in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, next thing, you know, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, uh, what I noticed, and this is going to come back to the restaurant business. So, one thing that happens is if you if you drink a lot of wine and you want to compare wines, everyone tells you the first thing you do is you smell it. Okay, you really want to get the because that's part of your taste, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I'm not suggesting you do this. I'm just talking about my experience, right? So I got keenly aware of odors through a glass. Okay, so over the years. Uh, you know, I stopped drinking wine and started to move on to some other things. But I noticed that sense of smelling the glass 
had stuck with me. And I realized at home, when I would have a glass of water, the odor would have like a soapy smell to it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I showed it to Cheryl, and she's like, yeah. And so we'd get a glass out of the cupboard, and you'd smell it, and it smelled perfectly fine. But then when you put water in it, that that odor came out, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So anyway, it, it irritates the fuck out of me because, you know, once you notice something, it's of like course. seeing the yellow yeah. car kind of yeah. thing. Okay. So we're at Mastro's last night, and the, they said, be, do you it's want gotta be, It's got to be Maestro's, right? I, no, I think it's Mastro's. M-A-E-S-T-R-O? Yeah, on Pinnacle Peak. It's got to be Maestro's, just so we slam the right restaurant. Well, okay. A- anyway, it's owned by a billionaire in Texas. Uh, Perfect. Anyway, um, but to continue, uh, so I get this. First of all, we asked for sparkling water, and they're filling the glass up with the tap yeah. water. Okay, fine. Uh, you know, I'm here so with. You're already my, aggravated. I'm already. Yeah, I'm already. Just so you know, six. folks, this is already. He's paying attention. All right. This is not. This is not go unnoticed. All right. There's probably a deep sigh. He gave a look to Cheryl because he knows Cheryl noticed. All right. I already know this is not a good start. I, I, th- no, <laughs> this is not a good start. And it's like Breaking Bad. It goes out at the absolute low, which, by the way, is going to have to be for another episode. The, okay. The bottom. Yep, yep, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we don't, we've got a limited amount of time. But Understood. Anyway, uh, so my daughter and son-in-law are there. Uncle Mark is there. Cheryl's there. Cheryl's best friend from <sighs> 50 years ago is there. And I am not going to ruin this evening. Understood. Right? I am yeah. not. I'm got, doesn't matter. <laughs> right? So – I asked the busboy, and I tried to explain to him, could we have some clean glasses? And he starts arguing with me about something. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fine, fine. Could you just send the manager over? Mm-hmm. And the manager comes over, and uh, I explain to him what's going on. And and he fixes it. Okay? Good, good. Yep. He fixes it 80%. Okay. The glasses that come back, it's – it's still there. That's not, but I'm yeah, like, yeah. you know what? Just shut the fuck up. Drink mm-hmm. the water. Don't drink yeah. the water, but yeah. let's move on. So, uh, you know, the place is packed. The service is terrible. You know, then everyone eats there and um, gets sick. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and just a spoiler alert, I, it, it went south from there. But I, I think I'll save that for next week, just as a cliffhanger. How many of um, you? Eighty? You? Eighty? You? No, no, there was uh, six. Six of you, six. and everybody, nobody left well. Everybody that today uh, had the same I thing. think uh, Cheryl's okay. Yeah, I haven't yeah, checked yeah. with Lisa and Chris. Yeah. Uh, they've got <sighs> they've got pretty yep. good stomachs. But Saturday uh, night at a busy restaurant, yeah, a chain, you know, a little bit of oversight. Yeah, you're know, yeah. playing with so. fire. And yeah. those glasses, my wife keeps a full-time girl all night long, and all she does is with vodka. Every glass gets cleaned with vodka. They take a cheap pl- bottle of plastic Russian vodka and a rag, and every glass that e- that leaves that dishwasher station gets wiped with vodka. Yeah. Really? 
I'm pretty sure it's vodka. Yeah. Yeah. I'm almost hundred percent sure it's vodka that she uses a vodka, a vodka rag so that it's, it gets clean. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, we've slammed them enough. Let's, should we take a turn on the financial markets? <laughs> I did make some, no- I did make some notes this week. Which, Let's go. Uh, what's, um, what's the, fr- what's, what's of the utmost importance to you? Well, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. First of all, you know, I like to go back and correct errors. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think last week I said the Strategic Petroleum Reserve has something like 18 days. Mm-hmm. I, that's not exactly right. I had trouble figuring out what the apples to apples number might be. Uh, I think it's more like 31 days, but it it's not a simple answer. So I wanted to go back and make that note that I didn't have that exactly right. But um, I watched this uh, Netflix special with Uncle Mark yesterday. You have got to watch this thing. It's called The Tinder Swindler. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Have you heard of it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's fucking riveting. And so <laughs> It's a whole new world what, out there. So whatever reason, uh, I think I didn't, because I didn't ride much this week, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get, I, you know, you know that thread that I'm always looking for for us of to course. talk about. Yep. Okay, so, I, but I think this is what kind of hit me. So you got the Tinder swindler, which is basically this guy has convinced many women mm-hmm. that she's the one, and mm-hmm. he's living off of all of their money. Did he go to and, jail? Not to ruin it. I, yeah, for five months. Oh. Okay. Okay. So, 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 so he's, so, 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 okay. Yeah. So he's so he winner. Went, so he went to jail. All right. So we've put the, this guy's gone to jail. Okay. Well, other people for, still walk for around five for, months, for five Jeez. months. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it might as well be one of the bankers from the global financial crisis. But <laughs> so my brother says to me, how about, wouldn't it be nice if we got a bunch of guys together and helped these women? Cause they're all broke now. Yeah, Cause he yeah. got them to take out loans. And, oh, yeah. um, and the, and I said, I'll tell you what, I'll do that if you're willing to go with me and we find the guy and we get a couple of lead pipes and we bust his <laughs> kneecaps. Yeah. He's like, you can't do that. I'm yeah. like, fuck yeah. He says, They're not throwing us in jail. <laughs> you're going to get a suspended sentence, right? You can hire a contractor for that. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. I can check with a uh, young daughter, okay. but I think it's worse. If you hire someone to commit a crime, then if you commit the crime, yeah, I, I think I'm guessing. Yes, it, yeah, it certainly didn't work out that well for Jay Borker. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so let me let's go into this Tinder swindler concept yep. as it relates to the financial markets, shall we? So um, there was uh, there are a few things that I, I made some notes on. Um, let me start with Goldman Sachs first because they're low hanging fruit, right? So they there was a big announcement that they and Galaxy did the first over-the-counter option trade in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So here we go. Fucking bullshit. Okay, total crock of shit. I don't know how Goldman's legal department let them put this out. Okay, wow. Because the option that I believe was traded, and I just got this off the internet, 
but they based it on this thing that in the trade we call an NDF, non-deliverable forward. Yep. Okay. So that means that you and I do an option trade, and at the end of the trade, we don't deliver any Bitcoin. We look at an index, and we settle up by cash. Yeah. Okay. So to me, what continues to be the farcical part of the validity of this Bitcoin thing is none of the investment banks, whether, and, and I'm sure I'm going to forgive, omit somebody, so I apologize in advance, but whether it's Goldman, Morgan Stanley, Credit Suisse, Jefferies, I don't know, Bank America, mm-hmm. I don't know any of these guys or gals or days who are safekeeping Bitcoin for clients in a custody account, ensuring the safety of that asset. Yep. Okay. And until they do that, okay, to me, this is a fucking total scam. Yeah. Because wow. if they believed it, they would do it. Yeah. Because it's a service and yep. they're in the business of serving clients. So that's the first <laughs> fuck you from MB today. Okay. May, may I continue, or am I, am I doing too angry, old man? Here, no, no, no. I, 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 you were gonna. Lead, I thought you were gonna lead. You, you, you left out the junior bankers at Goldman. They're gonna lead a revolt um, because they're getting dragged back to the office. Okay. Yeah, um, I've been a little mum on that because as a landlord, I like seeing people getting dragged back to the office. I bet you do. Um, and also, DJ, DJ uh, excuse me, David Solomon got a lovely puff piece in the FT, um, a, a quote unquote yes. investigation about his DJ skills. But forget about that shit. Let's keep going. Um, well, the, 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 just because you had a keen eye, they did a piece on the FT. And I don't know that I would consider it a puff piece because in the piece, they link to a article by the Harvard Business School saying that high profile CEOs generally cause their companies to perform poorly. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they had some people review his <laughs> artistry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it got met. It was total met. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So we slammed him. Uh, coming back to our friend, and I, you know what? I'm just until she just drops off the face of the earth. I'm staying on Kathy Wood. Now, our good friend Leslie, who is completely a benevolent, warm, wonderful guy. You know, I'm the guy that they say Morris is the guy that says things out loud that everyone's thinking in their head. So, uh, you know, we never know how much time we got left on this earth, but I'm not going out taking a call third strike. Right, understood. <laughs> so some period of time ago, and uh, I'm just trying to get in spitting distance. Here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When Kathy's firm was getting the shit kicked out of it. And by the way, it's not that far off the low, right? I, I, I won't do the calculation, but I think those out there talented would tell you virtually anyone that's bought into that fund is down money. Okay. So she made some comment somewhere saying, 
we feel your pain and we're in there with you. And I have X percent mm-hmm, of my net mm-hmm, worth in the mm-hmm. fund, right? Okay. So once again, I love this word denizen. It's just so fucking sophisticated. Is that D E N I Z E N, denizen? I, yeah, denizen. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like someone that's in yeah. the know. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if I can loop that together with okay. alacrity. And, <laughs> I, I was going to say, you you're, <laughs> add it to your favorite words. Um, yeah, I'm going to work on that. But I went back to look up her comment about how much money she had in the fund. And all I could find was she has a large percentage of her IRA in the fund. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm sure she has more than that. But here's here's a little bit of the uh, inside baseball on how these things work. Okay. When you open a fund, they 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 the seed investors want to know how much money are you putting in the fund on your own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's there's two sources of money here. There's the money that goes in the fund that's traded, but then there's the the money that builds the company that does the trading. Yeah. Right. And so uh you, you need to put in capital to start the business, no different than a restaurant, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So what these people do, and and myself included, when I started that firm with uh, Fish Fan and uh, Robbie, uh, we put in money for capital, and then we put in money in the fund. The notion being that the seed investors, the early people, they want to know, if you fuck up, is it going to yep. sting? And mm-hmm. and that's entirely reasonable. Okay, I, you want to have your goals aligned. I agree with that. Okay, but what Ms. Wood and her disingenuous? I'm going to give her the 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 uh, benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say uh, she was being disingenuous, not ignorant. Um, the reason being. There's tremendous leverage by increasing the size of the fund for the people who who own the holding company. So, for instance, you look at that uh, woman, Abigail, something or other, whose family owns either Vanguard or Fidelity. She's like one of the richest women in the world because uh, they own own the holding company, right? So if Kathy Wood's company ends up managing $200 billion, which is call it I, I don't I'm I'm not gonna get out the calculator, but let's say that's two hundred billion dollars times two percent. What's that, four billion dollars a year? Yeah. Okay. So they're gonna take in fees of four billion dollars a year. That holding company has now got a lot of value. So She's going to be out there telling you, "Oh, I got my money in there with you." Oh, yeah, we're we're going to live and yeah. die together. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, not so much, not not so much. So, yeah, uh, there's that. Um, moving on, uh, there was some sort of crypto conference down in Florida. Conference? Uh, Call it a conference. <laughs> I, I I'm kind of searching for words here. I'm so, my stomach is so fucking upset. <laughs> okay. Not from the uh, crypto. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
you know, this fellow Michael Saylor, uh, yeah, bit of a yep. bit of a uh, uh, yep. a chucklehead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not going to risk getting sued. But my understanding, once again, based on the internet, is he had a little run in with the SEC many, many years ago. Yep. And of course, in true fashion, the United States government decides instead of putting somebody in jail, they right. get them, they fine them, and they give them the old, they agree to disagree mm-hmm. or not admitting or, okay. So I'm reading and seeing him yap about the Bitcoin, right? And I realized, I look up the statistic, 44% of the people who commit a crime are repeat offenders. <laughs> yeah, doesn't shock me. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's Michael Saylor. Um, anyway, uh, looking at the market, big deal. You may have seen Lael Brainerd announced mm-hmm. that the Fed is going to be aggressively unwinding its balance sheet. And uh, the two-year note is now 2.5%. When you and I started talking about it, it had a zero handle, yep. right? So it was, call it 50 basis points. I think mm-hmm. it was lower, but okay. Mm-hmm. So that thing's up 200 basis points. That's a legitimate number. Allow me to explain in simple terms. The two-year the two-year note yields two and a half. The S and P five hundred dividend yield is one point three. So now, this Tina, there is no alternative. You can take your money out of the stock market. Mm-hmm. You can put it in the U.S. Treasury, and you can double you can double your yield. Wow! Yeah, yeah. As they say, that that should leave a mark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what I think is a little bit unnerving is uh, the Fed's tightening. They've increased the rate at which they're tightening because they're going to amp up the the um, the balance sheet drawdown. Okay? okay. And if you talk to a talented economist like Dave Zervos, he would tell you for every trillion dollars of balance sheet, it's equal to so many basis points. Interesting. That, okay. That's yeah. beyond my capability and beyond my skill level. But it's the same as even jacking the rates up. So, so why am I why am I concerned? I'm concerned because in a typical Fed tightening environment, especially when the economy is slowing, you see the curve flatten. And we had this discussion last week, right? And I posed the question of which nobody replied, does the inverted curve cause the recession? But anyway, that's fine. Um, But the curve steepened with an acknowledgement that the Fed is going to tighten financial conditions. Mm -hmm. And um, to the untrained eye, you would say, well, that makes sense because the bulk of what they own are longer dated securities. And so that's going to put the pressure on the back end. But it indicated to me there's lack of demand for back end paper. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me uh, 
to see the rates start to increase at an increasing rate. Uh, I'm a little less enthusiastic about making that claim. What I am confident is the, the, the rates have to go higher. You know, you're getting uh, uh, University of Michigan inflation forecast to be, I think, 5.9% in a year. You, you can't have a two-year note at 250 with 6% inflation. So the, the rates are, are going to be going higher. Okay. Um, you know, I, what's that mean for the stock market? I Look. I, it seems I mean, like they're totally divorced, those two, you know? You know, I learned long ago, uh, I read a Goldman piece, this is like in the mid-80s, about hedges. And they introduced the concept uh, of a sticky hedge. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if you bought a two-year note and sold an old two-year note, one would move by a quarter tick and the other would move by a quarter tick, adjusted for the difference in day count. But it would be pretty much lockstep. Okay. But you would get other relationships that they didn't move lockstep, but over time they trended in the same direction. And so uh, I think that's probably more likely here with the equities because, you know, you still have the remnants of a bull market. Um, those things take time to dissolve. Uh, people I know uh, are all lightening up. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I hate to make predictions, especially mm -hmm. no, about I know. the future, right? But uh, uh, I made a comment to uh, Kevin about uh, – I'm quoting my hero, Warren Christopher. I urge caution. Just, <laughs> isn't a, just in case of those – People who don't know, Warren Christopher was Secretary of State during the Iraq War, and his great advice was, you know, I urge caution. Like, way to go, man. Yeah, yeah, good. thanks for that input, yeah. <laughs> way, way to make a statement. So um, we'll see what happens. You, you have a few things going on. So uh, I spoke to our friend in London mm. whose electricity bill is quadrupled. Mm-hmm. Okay. Incredible. Yep. I had uh, Mike and Shannon over here to watch the Masters yesterday. They're both driving the big F-150s. Uh, I think Shannon's is diesel, yep. maybe. Could that be? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he said he he hit 180 bucks mm -hmm. and the thing stopped because mm -hmm. it maxed out. Like yeah. it wouldn't sell you more than that. Oh yeah, I, I my gas station stops no matter what at seventy five bucks. So there's been twice that I've had that I filled the truck, stopped it at seventy five, and had to go back on for another fifteen twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. So to people, that's going to leave a mark. Oh yeah, right. Yep. And yep. Uh, this this uh, gang of researchers I like a great deal. The uh, Gave Cal gang, mm -hmm. I think, and I think they're right, but it's all about the energy. And people are getting whacked with a tremendous tax. Okay. And uh, so you got a slowing of the economy, you got a tightening of financial conditions. 
I think you're going to have to see people re-enter the labor force uh, because the the labor rates are going to keep going up. Uh, you, yeah. you don't have the makings of a great situation here. Uh, and by the way, there's a war. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wonder about the economy stumbling. Um, could it be, you know, do you, I know, I'll talk about, how about the housing market with the, you know, that's the thing that's like, you know, directly, most directly affected in front of your face for, with the interest rates, okay. but like mortgage well, applications have gone off the cliff, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that's what happens. I think, uh, I'm going to use a very, uh, another very sexy word, idiosyncratic. Okay. Right. I think yeah. it, it depends on your location. Totally. So for okay. instance, uh, for better or worse, I've accumulated some apartments in New York City, individual apartments, and then the residential stuff. Okay. Uh, it came, it's come time to sell one of the individual apartments. Okay. I figured out what I thought was a fair price. Like, I want to sell it. I don't want to sit around for six months. So I put a legitimate price on it. The first guy walked in and took it. It wasn't on the market 12 hours and it traded. Okay. Uh, I've just been corresponding with one of my real estate partners. We just re-signed a lease at an increase of 20% over last year. Yeah. So the housing thing is going up. At some point, the interest rates are going to take hold. Yeah. But I think in the short run, the higher labor rates and the household net worth because of the equity market, it's, but I think the housing is, is barring some bizarre circumstances is going to have to slow. Yeah, I mean, just from the anecdotal stories that you hear, you know, people going that you know, I had a mortgage rate for three and three point five, and now you know, you, you got approved for a five point five or something like that. Is or, it up know. to five five? Some people have gotten. Yeah, it depends. Again, it's, there's pockets and and depends on exactly who you ask. But see, people say like, oh, I you know, when I first started the process, it was three five, and by the time I made my offer, locked in my rate, it was five five. So. Yeah, it's yeah. jumped it, quickly. That could happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, well, what do we talk about? We saw the two-year note in right. a period of four months, maybe, mm-hmm. go up 200 mm-hmm. basis points. So yeah. um, the inflation thing, I find uh, a, a curious. So uh, it was a dinner last night. Um, did I mention it was Mastro's and we all got sick? Um, <laughs> so I was chatting with my son-in-law who, uh, it, it's just it's like you. It's, it's just fun to have conversations with him. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about commodities, and uh, they've gotten a lot of snow up north in Canada. And I asked him, "Did that has that kind of cured the drought conditions?" And he said, "Well, he said actually, uh, as it is, it's going to be a wet planting season, and if we get a wet spring." It's going to be a problem, and so we started talking about the uh, the grain prices. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my experience in the grains is like the guy in the book Satan's Bushel. I'm the guy that traded zillions of them, mm-hmm. and then there's the guy that had the 
you know, 100 bushels and it took them three hours at the yep. an elevator. Okay. So I was asking uh, my son-in-law, I said, if you looked at like this year's crop versus new crop. And so it's, it's a lingo thing. So for instance, right now, in, if you looked at soybean futures, the big contracts, I think are like May and July. Okay. Yeah. That's, those are beans that are in that grain elevator or wherever. Okay. Then there's what I call new crop, which is the November beans, meaning whenever the harvest is September, October, when they come to market, it'll be November, mm-hmm. new crop. Okay. So um, you know that the beans are expensive. But I asked them, I said, well, what do you think, have you looked at new crop and the the following year out, which we, we would be like the red, meaning the second year? And he said he never really looked at it like that. So I pulled it up this morning and I was taking a look because it's a good uh, way of thinking about inflation. Because if you look at something like the grains, unlike interest rates. Mm-hmm. The grain number is going to be a balance sheet and it's a projection. So they're going to take how much you think there's going to be left, how much you think they're going to grow. You subtract out the demand. You look at ending supply. And based on that, the professionals will estimate what they think the price of the bean should be down the road, right? Mm-hmm, <clears throat> mm-hmm. So if spot beans are sixteen twenty a bushel, the new crop, which is going to be uh, November of this year, that's fourteen ninety five a bushel. So it's a little bit lower, right? Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> they've worked through the inventory this year. And, okay. Wow. But you go out to the following year, November of 23 and it's 1388 a bushel so it's down like a dollar okay from this year's new crop but it's still almost 14 dollars a bushel beans are supposed to be like seven dollars a bushel yeah twice yeah amazing and so as my son-in-law pointed out the ukraine you think there's a lot of planting going on there Probably less than normal. And so here's sort of the inflation question. Because so if beans go from $7 to 14 you can say inflation is 8%. Okay. But if they stay at 14 they're going to say, what are they going to say? The inflation rate zero because the yeah. price hasn't changed? And and this is one thing I never got to see eye to eye with the deep thinking economist is a lot of these guys would argue that it's not level so much as rate of change. And I don't, I don't really get that because if the price of your food has doubled, okay, year over year. Yep. But your salary's only gone up five percent. You, you you're still a little fucked. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I don't and I don't know how to 
you I don't need know a, how to square that. You need a start point to gauge it. You yeah. Know, it, it, so I don't know how to, I don't know really how to square the circle. The one thing I do know that has me convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt is we are going to continue to have inflation. Why do I say that? I get this free newsletter every week by this guy named John Maudlin, and I, I don't pay for it. Uh, I'm not recommending it. I'm not not recommending it, but he's one of these guys. He talks about someone and everyone's his friend. And, you know, it's like we can have a discussion about friends versus acquaintances another time. But um, he went on to say how his friend Dave Rosenberg is convinced we're facing a period of deflation. And, you know, I, I mean, you know how you know where they get grappa from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. They, 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 it's the bottom of the barrel when yeah, they're they making the wine, sugar, right? right? Yep. Okay, he's the grappa of economists. <laughs> <laughs> Grappa's disgusting. Okay, <laughs> dude, dude, you say that. There have been points in my life where it's been the fucking perfect thing. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> wow. Yeah, oh. yeah. That might be a good. <laughs> To wrap this show. Jeez, jeez. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm. You know, the uh, the dinner thing had me in a little bit of a dark mood, so I, yeah, I want to apologize. I, I know marketing and legal; they're always after me to be upbeat, be upbeat, and I, yep. I'm trying. You know, I know, I know. Uh, but the anxiety levels a little higher. Um, the negotiations with Uncle Mark to be on the show. We've had a little bit of an impasse. I'm trying to work. You know, first of all, throw money at him. His agent is a total prick. Just throw, just throw money at he's him. Got the whole, he's got the whole fucking green M&M thing. <laughs> we know he, how to fix this. Okay. He wants final cut. Yeah. yeah. He wants okay. to see, you know, so we need to, we need to work on him a little bit. You want, you want to do one listener question since, uh, since, you know, yeah, the, the net, yeah. network Please. wanted, you know, your website. Yeah. Um, and again, it ties into, to poor Kevin Muir, who's, who's again, been sidelined this week. Um, Morris related to your friend shorting volatility. Do you think there's a disconnect in the VIX versus the, the M O V E the bond vol? The because move. the yeah, versus yeah. the move because the equity VIX is front running the Fed about to break the bond market, in which all of these bond outflows find their way into equities in the short term, as bonds take the you know there's your Tina trade again you know um, that's you know so that's a really tough question for me okay because you have two very different groups of users uh, so. Um, I, 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 let me attempt to answer it, but I have yeah, a yeah. very low confidence in this. Mm-hmm. The 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 move is, I think, that Harley Bassman interest rate okay. volatility index. I think, yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, I'm assuming all volatility is correlated. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable saying that. Uh, I'm sure historically um, they've got plenty of relationships that have existed that people have looked at. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm just going to 
hopefully gracefully withdraw and say, I, I don't really know how to answer this question with any, yeah, no, I understand with that. any comfort. Um, yeah. but I'm, I apologize for that. If it's, if, if people feel like it's important and send you a note, I'll do a deep dive on it. Mm-hmm. But it, I have a funny way of, uh, getting dragged towards things that seem to make money mm-hmm. and getting pushed away from things that don't. Although my experience with the stock market would throw that into question, but, uh, uh, yeah, we did the, we did the whole show 57 minutes. Um, and we never mentioned what's going on in China. Okay. Because coronavirus and covid is not over apparently in china and what's going on in shanghai right now is not pretty and it doesn't get a lot of coverage um i mean i didn't see any coverage i read the new york times digest this morning and there was not a single word in the in the times digest about what goes on in shanghai um and it it seems to be there seems to be quite a bit of civil unrest is a nice way to put it i mean borderline riots in shanghai from the lockdowns uh right. yeah 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 and it has not been i haven't i don't watch you know tv news but I, like i said new york times had no coverage of it and some of the videos that i have seen i've seen a lot played over but shanghai yeah they they locked it down and they it's like 20 million people right Oh, oh yeah, Abs- it's huge. And they said it was going to end and there is strife there right now yeah. as of Sunday afternoon. And that is, I, I mean, people, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, but that, that needs to be paid attention to. Um, as attention as- must be paid. Absolutely. Willie Loman. <laughs> um, we should check out the South China morning post because the, the, I mean, unless they've been taken over by the, yeah, the Republic of China. That they may have a better sense of what's going on there. I think I know we have listeners there. Um, I believe there's a guy named Rupert who is there and can provide firsthand uh, account of what is what the vibe is. But that that to me is underreported and can't be over. You know, can't be underestimated if there's civil strife in China um, and they're going to lock down their biggest city. So there's also problems in Pakistan. Did you see what went on in Pakistan? They ousted their uh, um, um, Aman Khan. Is mm-hmm. that uh, I forget his first name, but yeah, yeah, he out. was a great cricket player, right? <laughs> I, I I don't know his Imran his... Imran Khan. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful yeah. wife. <laughs> really? I, yeah. Those jocks, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's amazing. Why do they go into politics? Why would you do that? Oh, you know, all right, speaking Jack, of which. Jack Kemp. Okay, I got a better one. Who's the guy? What's the guy? The guy's McCormick from Bridgewater. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. dude, you ran, he ran Bridgewater, okay? And he says goodbye to Bridgewater and announces he's going to run for the Senate in Pennsylvania. But wait, there's more. Who's his opponent? Okay, who can we scrape out of the gutter? They got Dr. Oz to run for Senate in Pennsylvania. Okay, and who does Donald Trump come out and endorse? We think maybe the guy from Bridgewater, he's probably, you know, a little bit of a business experience. Okay, I don't know about his political career, but Bridgewater versus Dr. Oz. Trump goes with Dr. Oz. Imagine being the McCormick guy and saying, you know, but apparently he went from button down guy at bridgewater to 
you know, Donald Trump's parrot when he got on the cam- campaign trail, uh-huh. only to be snubbed <laughs> yeah. by the Donald. While, while, while Bridgewater finished the first quarter up 16%. <laughs> so maybe Kathy will get a good run coming up, too. Jeez, so. $82 million in fees for ARK and their employees. I believe they said no matter what happens to the portfolio. I saw that little snippet today. They get $82 million in fees. Oh, That's not bad. Duke and Duke get the commissions. <laughs> Regardless of what happens. Yep. All right, bud. I think it's uh, I I'll think see you next week, my friend. <laughs> I can't wait. Be well. It's great to All see right, you. Buddy. Take, Take care. care. Bye.